Our scripture lesson this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew, and it is Matthew 17, starting in verse 24. On their arrival in Capernaum, the collectors of the temple tax came to Peter and asked him, doesn't your teacher pay the temple tax? Yes, he does, Peter replied, and then he went into the house. But before he'd had a chance to speak, Jesus asked him, What do you think, Peter? Do kings tax their own people or the people that they have conquered? They tax the people they have conquered, Peter replied. Well, then Jesus said, The citizens are free. However, we don't want to offend them. So go down to the lake and throw in a line. Open the mouth of the first fish you catch. And you will find a large silver coin. Take it and pay the tax for both of us. This is the word of God for the people of God. Be to God. You may be seated. Well, over the last couple of weeks, uh, Pastor Jim has been going on a, a journey through the scriptures, a journey that uh, told a little bit more about himself, about him growing up, and about how the scriptures have shaped his life, about how they have molded him into who he is and, and what he holds dearly. And so this morning, I'm going to share a little bit of that from my own story. I'm going to share one of these scriptures of these thousands that we find in our Bibles that has really impacted me, that has really shaped me and, and led me. And so um, the story that you heard this morning is this scripture. I call it Peter's Big Fish Story. And I know that we all have a big fish story. But Peter's goes like this. It's, it's this crazy story that we just heard about some tax collectors. And they come to Peter and they question him about Jesus paying the temple tax. And, and Peter kind of tells a little white lie of not knowing what to do. And as soon as he's done, he runs into the house. And before he can say a single word of confirmation or, or of checking with Jesus about whether he has or has not, Jesus stops him. And he goes on this inquiry about kings and conquerors and people. And he asks Peter, where does the king get his taxes? And Peter says, from the people they conquer. And so Jesus tells him that truly the sons and daughters are the ones that are free. The sons and daughters of the king are the ones that don't have to pay this tax. And, and they are the ones that are free from it. They find freedom in the family of the king. And yet, Jesus, still not wanting to offend anyone, he humbles himself, and he makes an exception to the rule of the day about this tax, and, and then he tells this incredible story, so to speak. He gives these directions to Peter about going out and catching a fish and pulling out a, a coin from the fish's mouth and paying the temple tax for them. It's this crazy story that it's sometimes hard to wrap our minds around. And, and yet, when we look through the scriptures, we see other times where Jesus gives 
professional fishers. That's what Peter was. He was a professional fisherman. Jesus was a carpenter, and, and we see Jesus giving these professional fishermen advice on what to do in order to catch more fish. And each time these fishermen listen to Jesus, they experience a, a catch. A catch of fish that is so amazing and memorable. It's kind of like when Jesus said to Peter in Luke's gospel, after Peter and his crew had been fishing all night and they didn't catch a thing, Jesus tells them to go out one more time and let down your nets. And Peter replies, well, if you say so, I will go and let down my nets. And that morning they caught an enormous abundance of fish. Or when Peter and the disciples went fishing after Jesus' death and the Gospel of John, and, and it's this morning time and they haven't caught anything and they've been out all night trying to fish and they have nothing to show for, for what they have been doing. And we see this character on the beach call out to them, Have you caught anything? And they replied, No. And this character says, well, cast your nets to the other side. And so they did. And they caught this huge abundance of fish again. And it's in this story that they realize that this is Jesus speaking to them on the beach. The one that they had just seen crucified is now risen and standing before them. It's these stories around fishing that we can see who Jesus is in a new light, in a new way. And sandwiched in between these two stories, the one that I read this morning, a, a fishing experience, so to speak, on a smaller scale, numerically at least, but it's no less impactful. This is why I call it Peter's Big Fish Story. I'm sure this is the story he told wherever he went when people questioned him. Or whenever somebody else told their big fish story about a miracle that had taken place. Because this one is personal to him. And it seems too good to be true. And yet when we read it and we think about it, we ponder it, we can find amazement within it. We can have memories of our own our own big fish experiences in life. We can truly see how the Holy Spirit not just moves within these stories of these people in the scriptures, but they move within us. They stir within us experiences in life, memories, ways that we connect to the scriptures to make them real for us here and now. For me, growing up, I, I grew up in the desert of California, and, and you don't get too many fishing opportunities in the middle of the desert, mainly because every lake is a dry lake. But over the summer, my family and I, we would travel up north to a small little town. We'd meet up with our extended family, and my cousins and my brother and I, we would run around all day outside, of course. This was before technology when the parents would say, go and find something to do. And so we went and found something to do. And this small town of Mammoth where there's various lakes and rivers and streams, 
We all had this desire to be fishermen, to catch a fish out in the wild. And so we would run around all day and we would scrounge the streams looking for abandoned fishing, fishing hooks and lures and fishing line that had been caught up in the brushes that somebody had just cut loose. And we'd grab tree branches and we'd try to make our own fishing poles and we would throw these lines into the river, hoping that against all odds, we would catch something, never realizing we would have no idea what to do with it once we caught it. But it was the adventure of the catch, the adventure of exploring, the adventure of doing something new and experiencing nature and the promise of what could possibly happen. Growing up, whenever I heard this story about Peter, this is the story that flooded into my mind of these experiences over summer with my brother and my cousins as we tried to become our own fishers. And when I hear this story, I can remember that part of us almost hoped and wished that we too would not only catch a fish, but we would find a prize inside of it as well. As a kid, the appeal of the story centered around the fishing aspect. We, we could care less, so to speak, about the rest of the story, about taxes and about people and, and all that other kind of stuff. To me, I just wanted to hear about Peter catching a fish, finding money, and I secretly hoped that I too would have an experience like this. That I, too, would have this experience of trying to catch a fish. Open it up and find something unique inside. A prize. When you get older, our stories seem to shift focus. The way we relate to scripture seem to change as our life experiences change. And different words seem to pop out. We've heard stories many, many times before. And yet all of a sudden when we hear them once more, a sudden word catches us off guard. Causes us to slow down and to pause. To think and maybe even reevaluate what we have heard in, in light of where we are in this moment in life. It's this amazing ability of the scriptures to stay ever relevant, of never staying static and in one place of our lives, but to kind of have something new, something unique, some new way and new perspective of seeing stories that we've heard over and over again, and yet something new comes to us when we hear them in a new way of our life. Different life experiences come crashing to the forefront of our memories when we hear stories years and years later. As I got older, the story took on a different meaning for me. And instead of a fishing story that I would think of as a kid, it was more of an, a story when I was a younger adult. I went out fly fishing for the first time, and I really had no idea what I was doing. And so, like a good fisherman, I just stood on a large rock and acted like I was casting my pole and praying that nobody would actually come up to me and ask me for help because I could use some myself. And as I was standing there in nature, 
enjoying just the water running downstream and listening to the sounds and the beauty of where I was, all of a sudden it started to snow. And the setting was just perfect. It was peaceful and beautiful being there in nature, hearing the water rushing over rocks, feeling the sun on my back and yet the snow on my face. And sure, the fishing was kind of nice, but there was something so much more that I was not aware of that I was now experiencing this time. When I think of Peter's fishing story, this is the story that now pops into my mind first. It doesn't really have to do with fishing so much, but something else, something deeper, something a little bit more impactful. And so for me, when I heard this story years later for the umpteenth time about Peter going out and throwing in a line and catching a fish and finding a coin and paying taxes, there was something different this time. Something else in this story had grabbed my attention and and the fishing part was kind of pushed into the background because something else was there. Something else that I was now seeing and experiencing. Something deeper and something more impactful in the story that I had heard many, many times. This time, seven words appeared on that page that forced me to pause. Forced me to reconsider what Jesus was talking about. It was these words, however, we don't want to offend them. Wait, what? Are we sure this is the same Jesus here? I mean, Jesus is is one of those figures that we know offended the religious leaders. And he called out people's sin and he healed on the Sabbath and he had female disciples and followers. And he talked with women alone and he conversed with the Samaritans and he ate with tax collectors. And he did many, many other things that offended everybody around him. And yet in this time period, in this story, he pauses and he says, now not to offend people? I mean, isn't it a little too late for that Jesus? I'm thinking in the back of my mind, is this the same Jesus, the same guy? Why is he offending people in one set of scriptures and now telling us not to do so in the next? What is that all about? It caused me to pause to take a deeper look into the scriptures and to see what is it Jesus is trying to talk about. And you see, most of the time when Jesus offends people in the scriptures, it's because he's doing something that they don't like. He's calling out their hypocrisy of worship or leading their lives. He's calling them out in in one aspect of the law that they are ignoring while trying to hold others to. He's calling out their capability to follow the letter of this human law instead of following the love of God's law. He's calling them out because of their lack of faithfulness, truly. Of loving other people, of serving other people, of not causing others to stumble, and of 
stumble and of trying to show the world a different way. Jesus is trying to set up a, a way of setting aside one's ego about being right and of lovingly making exceptions for people. He's talking about times where Jesus sets aside the so-called law that the Pharisees wanted to hold him to so that way he could heal somebody on the Sabbath or he could talk to someone of a different social status or invite the tax collectors to dinner to show them that they too, the lowest of the low, were worthy. There were times where Jesus made a personal exception to the so-called social rules and standing rules and religious rules in order to be more loving to others, in order to be more accepting, in order to show them that they were worth something, that they were worthy and were seen and were loved and not just cast off because of a social standing. And I think this is what Jesus is speaking about here. When we flip over to Romans, we see Paul is talking about something similar in chapter 12 when he tells the church in Rome to don't just pretend to love others, but really love them, to hate what is wrong and to hold tightly to what is good, to love each other with genuine affection and to take delight in honoring each other, to never be lazy, but to work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. To rejoice in our confident hope of the future. To be patient in trouble and to keep on praying. And when God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality and to bless those who persecute you. And to not curse them, but to pray that God would bless them as well. To be happy with those who are happy and to weep with those who weep. To live in harmony with each other. To not be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And to not think that you know it all. To never pay back evil with more evil. And to do things in such a way that everyone can see that you are honorable. And to do all that you can. To live in peace with everyone. You see, when I read these words from Jesus about not wanting to offend people, at first I kind of push back against them, trying to justify my own reasons for needing to offend people sometimes, to get the point across to them, to show others why I am right and why they are wrong, or why my way or my view or my position is better than theirs or more right than theirs or more correct than theirs. And if I offend them, then that's their problem, right? This whole, uh, this is my belief and where I stand. And if you don't like it, then you can just leave. Or that might be your belief and I don't like it, so you can just leave. And yet, this is not at all what Jesus is talking about or teaching us to do. You see, in our society, we, we have become such in that what we think is the higher ground or the more moral ground or the more right ground to stand upon, and we seem to think that sometimes we are the only ones 
who should think or believe or act or speak the way we do or say what we want to say. And people can join us in this way so long as they don't change and this is the right way and the only way and the correct way. We've become a society that has forgotten what it means to truly talk, to communicate with one another and not just at one another. We've forgotten how to have civil dialogue and, and what compromise truly means and why it's so important, not just in maybe our family lives, but also in the life of our church and our places of business and our society as a whole. We have placed the importance of being right over the importance of offering grace, of being stern over that of showing mercy of looking and acting like everything is together in our own lives when really we are struggling and dying inside just as much as the next person. And we are pretending that we are happy instead of showing why we should be filled with joy and with love and with laughter and with hope. We have lost the ability to say However right I may be, I don't want to offend them. I don't want them to cause to stumble. I want to try and live at peace with them. So I'm going to try and do something that Jesus might do. Hebrews 12:14 tells us to work at living in peace with everyone. And work at living a holy life. And this story of Peter's fish. It's a story about fishing and yet it's so much more than that. It's a story that starts with Jesus making an exception. Making a change to the so-called social or religious order or standing it started where Jesus saying, however, in order not to offend them, I'm going to do something else. And in that moment, Jesus is also challenging us to do the same. Of challenging us to take a look at our own lives and to examine our own ways of thinking and doing and behaving and being in the world it starts with each and every one of us, and it starts here in our heart. When I'd heard this story for the 51st time, it was this part about purposefully not being offensive, or vengeful, or hateful, or disrespectful with people. But instead, it was an opportunity to live at peace with them. It really challenged me in how I think and live and act each and every day. It was this piece of trying to live with others, even if I think I know I'm right and I think I know they're wrong, and yet it's okay to make exceptions. And it's okay to go out of my way. And it's okay to do things that I don't necessarily have to do. 
to be able to develop a relationship, to be able to develop a friendship, to be able to live at peace, not just with myself, but with others. And sure, sometimes I I might go a little too far in trying to keep the peace between people, and, and sometimes I make compromises that I might later regret, and sometimes I get hurt. And sometimes things just don't work out the way that I wanted them to or I thought that they should. And yet I've come to the realization that Jesus would much rather have me offer too much peace, too much grace, and too much mercy, and yes, even too much forgiveness than in turn and to not offer it at all. This story is an amazing story. Amazing opportunity for us not just to see the miracles of Jesus, but to see the heart of Jesus. The heart of somebody stepping outside of the rules and the bounds to make an an extra effort to live at peace with everyone else. It started with Jesus. And now he's calling us to do the same thing. It starts with us now. And making a conscious effort to to be open to the work of the Holy Spirit. To be willing to set aside our own egos and our own agendas. And to move and act in such a way that the Spirit leads us in the footsteps of Jesus. And who knows... When we do these things and we walk in the ways of Christ and we follow what he asks us to do, someday we too might just catch that proverbial fish and coin and experience the wonder of God in new and exciting and joyous ways that lead us to go out and to exclaim our own stories of how Christ has touched us, has led us and filled us with hope and grace because of who he is and because of our willingness to say yes to him. This is Peter's big fish story. This is the story of the gospels and the scriptures and the story of of how this is related to my life and why it is relevant for me here and now some 2,000 years later. And I hope as you hear this story and the others in the scriptures that you too will be stirred anew. That you too will experience Christ and the Holy Spirit in a new way. To be able to see the light of Christ in your life. And like Peter, to follow in the footsteps of Jesus wherever you may go and whatever you may do. To God be the glory. Amen.